Mark chapter number 6, if you will. Mark chapter number 6. It has been a great day already to be in the Lord's house. and So thankful that His arms are long enough to save us. And uh, just a great, great reminder. Thank you for singing that song, Miss Bunny. And uh, it's been 30 years since I've heard that song. And uh, it's a great one. It's a great one. Uh, Mark chapter 6 this morning in our text. Uh, let me just start by asking a question uh, this morning. And uh, we've got a lot going on today and people all over the place. Uh, so let me just start and jump right in. Have you ever been tired and needed rest? You ever worked to the point of exhaustion? Uh, maybe it was, I, I noticed uh, yesterday I was driving through my mother-in-law's neighborhood and there was a guy putting up his Christmas lights yesterday. And I thought, man, taking advantage of that 70-degree weather, uh, but putting it up. But, you know, have you ever planned a time, maybe, hey, I'm, it's been a busy season and, you know, I, I just need some time to get away. And you planned a refresh only to have your plans dashed by something else. Uh, maybe that's a schedule conflict or a sickness or illness. Uh, imagine being a disciple following Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, why don't we take a break? Imagine how refreshing that sounds when Jesus, God's Son, says, hey, let's take a break. Why don't you come over here and let's rest for a little while, and it's going to be great. Imagine feeling that sense of oh, relief. Finally, we get a break. And I, and I want to kind of talk through this and talk about how we experience rest through a season only to realize that external forces fight against that rest. Fight against that rest. Uh, so how do we respond to that? Mark chapter 6 and verse number 30. Let's read just a couple verses for context and then we'll pray and dive right in. Mark 6, 30. And, and the Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. Now, that will become very important in just a minute. So hang on to that. Together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Now remember, this is kind of going back to the narrative where we ended in verse 13, had the death of John the Baptist from verse 14 to 29. We're back present day. Verse 31, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. A desert place, a place where there's not going to be any people, guys, not going to be any opportunities for ministry, just a place to get away and rest. Desert place. And says for here, and it quantifies it. For there were many coming and going. They had no leisure, so much to eat. So many people they're ministering to, they didn't have a chance to eat. That's busy. Verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Exactly where Jesus said to go. In verse number 33. And the people saw them departing. And many knew him, Jesus. Remember, they came to Jesus. They're with Jesus. Many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them and came together unto him. Now, we'll get there in a minute. Verse 34. Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Gets off the boat, crowd. Now imagine the disciples. Time out. Rest time. Remember Jesus, desert place. Arrive, desert place. It's time for a break. Jesus gets out. What's he do? Move with compassion toward them. Because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. No break. 
insight. Well, what do you do when you feel like it's coming and it gets disrupted? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for how you show us different seasons of our life here in the life of the disciples. And Lord, in your word, you show us how we are to respond to these seasons where we feel like rest is just in our grasp and yet it slips away. Lord, help us to see that rest may not look like we think it's supposed to look. Lord, I ask that you please give us the strength that we need to continue. Lord, please bless our time. Speak to hearts. If there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, whether in the room or watching online, help them to see that you're calling today and your heart is big enough to love them, big enough to love us. Lord, I ask that you please speak to my heart. Cleanse me of any sin unconfessed that may hinder me from preaching your word to your people this morning. Speak to us. Thank you for the great music that encourages us. Lord, now challenge us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down three things. Number one, they expected a break. They expected a break. Now, if you go back to verse 12 and 13, you see kind of what the disciples had been doing with all of this time. They had gone out, they had preached, they were casting out devils, anointing with oil, those that were sick, healing people. They weren't wasting time. They were doing ministry. They were following the Lord's leading. Remember, Jesus was the one that had initially sent them out. They were doing His bidding. And it was a busy season that led to the story where we are today and what's going on. And we see a couple things mentioned here. Number one, they were tired. Anybody been there? Say, Pastor, that's the story of my life. Uh, They were tired. They were tired. And these first two verses, they have all these stories to tell. They'd seen all these things, but they were busy and they were active. They were exhausted. They come and Jesus notices this. He sees and points it out. He talks about the fact that they needed a rest. If you look back the previous verses that we've just seen, you know, Satan may have won with this battle with John the Baptist and in their minds, but he was no match for the power of Jesus that was active in the lives of these disciples. They were ministering to other people in Jesus' name. And it's easy for us at times to overlook what God has done when we see Satan in our minds win. Maybe think about this past Monday. Yo, man, we saw God work on Sunday and God spoke to hearts. Man, we worshiped the Lord and groups on Sunday night. And man, it was just awesome to see what God did. And then Monday happens and we forget all about what happened on Sunday because Satan is winning at work and we overshadow what happened on Sunday with the events of Monday. How about when our wives, kids, family, spouse, have an argument the evening that something good happens at work. That that one good thing that happened at work, and I got home, and man, we had the fight of the century, Pastor. My kids were beyond themselves. And we overshadow the good things by those isolated bad things. So busy in ministry, these guys serving, they could not even stop to eat. What does Jesus say? He says, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. They didn't have time to eat. They forgot all about it. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been so busy at work. and You look at, oh my goodness, I missed lunch. I worked through or whatever that season is. That happened to Elijah in the Old Testament. 
1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 7 says the angel of the Lord came again the second time. What did he do the first time? The angel comes and says, hey, get up and eat. What does Elijah do? He sleeps through it. Comes back the second time. It's time to eat, Elijah. And then he tells him, because the journey is too great for you. Busy season. Gone, slept through it. But the Lord needed him to be able to refresh for the next season of ministry. That next season. See, it was during that same season that Elijah was tired that he said something really dumb. Said something really foolish. Verse number 4, 1 Kings chapter 19. The Bible says, He, Elijah, went himself a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Now, maybe that's been your life. Maybe you've been busy. You say, man, this is just, I wish it would just end. That's where Elijah is. Elijah's saying, I'm so busy, this is crazy what I'm living through. But think about where Elijah was in chapter 18. Elijah just saw God send down fire from heaven and burn up a sacrifice and an altar and lick up the water around the altar. God had just done something miraculous, and Elijah saw it, and now he wants to die. Hey, be careful what you say when you're tired. We've all been there, haven't we? I'm sorry, honey, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm sorry, kids, I shouldn't have said that. I'm just tired. You know, Elijah prayed to die, but he never did. Think about that one. Elijah prayed to die and never did. God wouldn't let him. Took him to heaven. We live in a society that, man, we, if I, Pastor, my life would be so good if I could eliminate all stress from my life. If I could eliminate all of it and if I could get rid of this stress and stop pointing to your spouse. Uh, but, you know, think about if I could eliminate this stress from my life, my life would be so much better. If you were to Google, Books for removing stress, how to remove stress. You don't find books that talk about how to remove stress. You find books on how to manage stress. Why is that? Because the authors know what God is trying to show us. That our bodies were designed to withstand stress. So pastor, that's not always true. There is a difference in stress. I want to illustrate that this morning with a rubber band. John, come help me for just a second, if you will. These are dirty. Yeah. These are yours, by the way. All right. I'll let you hold that. Okay. And John, this is, this is a long, this is, what are these called? Rubber. rubber thank you. <laughs> Rocket science. Okay. All right. All right. So, but think about, think about a rubber band. All right. Do you know a rubber band is not any good until it's stretched? It has no value, no purpose until it is stretched. All right, so John showed just a very simple how you would use one of these in like a workout. One, just one simple exercise. All right? Y'all taking notes? He goes, learn from the master. Okay? All right, so you got it stepping on. Uh, this, is, this is actually good training for me. Maybe one day I'll get a set. Okay? So you got it like this? And you're literally just stretching? Man, this is easy. I could do this all day long. This would be great. 
See, you take notes. I worked out at church. Just want you all to know. All right? But think about a rubber band has no purpose until stress has been introduced to it. It has no purpose because this rubber band, all right, I'm working out. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm moving the rubber band. I'm doing it. This is working out. It doesn't do anything until stress has been introduced. It doesn't help me at all. Until stress has been introduced to this object that was designed for stress. It gives me no value whatsoever. Does that make sense? We think about our lives and say, man, pastor, if I had no stress, my life would be so easy. But can I just say and and propose, without stress, your life also has no value and purpose. Because these were designed for resistance, for stress. See, there are two types. Thanks, John. There are two types of stress. And I want to show a graphic this morning, just a picture up on the screen there are two different types of stress. There's what's called eustress, E-U stress, and distress. And here's the indicators of each one. Eustress makes you better, makes you stronger. Distress leaves you worse. Eustress is infrequent. Hey, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out, I'm going to use these bands, and then I'm going to leave those bands at the gym, and I'm going to go home and get a milkshake. And so it, it's infrequent. Distress is chronic and ongoing. I'm living with this burden and it will never stop. Eustress doesn't last long. Distress lasts a while. Eustress motivates us to take positive action. Distress is demotivating. So the question comes, are you living with eustress or are you living in distress? One of them, God designed you to be able to withstand. Not both. Not both. And you think about that's what happens in our lives. We go from you stress to man, pastor, this is just the way I live. And we live in distress all the time. My life is a constant ball of stress. I'm living under this oppression. And when I allow that stress to continue, it begins to build. And what happens is I feel like I have to bear it. And God never designed me to bear it. Not distress. That's what Jesus said when he mentioned in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest, there it is, unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So are you managing stress wisely. These men were tired. They were exhausted. And then number two, we see they were told. Tired. Hey, come apart. Rest. Finally, we're going to get that rest. That's that same feeling when you submit your vacation request and the boss says approved. Yes. You know, finally, I'm going to get that rest. You know, think about Psalm 103, verse 14, love this verse. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. He knows that we're not like him. He knows what we can hold, what we can withstand. He knows that we need breaks. He knows we need rest. And he tells the disciples, hey, I want you to come apart. 
before you come apart. I want you to come apart and rest before you fall all to pieces. And we see a principle of rest that's found in Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 9 through 11. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into his rest. His rest, that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. He allows us the opportunity to go into rest. A great quote, Kevin DeYoung said, We all know we need rest from work, but we don't realize we have to work hard just to rest. We have to plan for breaks. We have to schedule time to be unscheduled. That's the way life is for most of us. Scattered, frantic, boundaryless busyness comes naturally. The rhythm of rest and work require planning. Planning. We've all been through seasons where we burn in the candle at both ends. We've all been there. But seasons have a beginning and end. Unless if you live in the Shenandoah Valley and summer just keeps coming back into in the fall. Seasons have a beginning and end. He's trying to tell them, give them a principle. You need rest. You know why? Because Jesus knew exactly what was coming in chapter 7. Jesus is entering into the third year of his ministry. Uh, What happened in his third year of his ministry, class? Jesus dies. Jesus dies in year number 3. The opposition gets more fierce in year number 3. And Jesus is getting ready to face trouble and there with him. Remember, they went with him. They traveled to him. And they're getting ready to go into this opposition with Jesus. Things are ramping up. And I would encourage you, if you don't take rest periods in your life, hey, if you get vacation at work, take every single day you get. Learn to turn your phone off from time to time. Oh, pastor, how would we survive like they did 30 years ago? And all the time before that. My wife and I were talking this morning about electricity. We were talking about how what the world was like before electricity. You think about candles and running oil lamps. That costs money. You had to buy more wax. You had to make more wax with candles. You had to buy more oil for all of these different things. So what happened when it got dark? It went to bed. Wouldn't that be a great idea? All right, kids, sun's getting down. Go brush your teeth. Not normal, but learn to have that time where you unplug, you disconnect. Great books, resources on that, but do whatever you have to do to get the rest that your body was designed to receive. Spurgeon said this, rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. Things have to be recharged. You, hey, you cannot, I'm thankful for that Starbucks is coming to the Stewart's draft, but you cannot run on coffee alone. You will burn out. You need rest. We see that they expected a break. Number two, we see that they were entrusted with a burden. Verse 33, we see, I can just imagine them them heading across the Sea of Galilee. Look at those people running along the shore. And the crowd gets bigger and bigger 
and bigger until they realize they're waiting on us. They're waiting. Imagine the conversation in the boat. And Jesus is in the boat going, look at all those people we get to minister to. And the disciples are thinking, look at all those people who are getting ready to tick off. Go away. Don't stay here. Get out of here. We see, number one, the people created a problem. Verse 33. I've heard this quote said, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. But you don't have peop- if you don't have people, you don't have ministry. They just needed a break. They just needed rest. But even the best plans get derailed. Here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. Jesus knew what was coming. Remember, they were with him. And this is all going somewhere. Hang with me. They were going with him. He could have said, guys, let's stay right here and rest. Do you realize that? When they came back and they started giving a report from what happened in verse 12 and 13, Jesus could have said, let's stay right here. You guys have earned a break. We're not going to go anywhere. Let's set up camp and let's do that. But no, he got in the boat with them and they all went across the Sea of Galilee to that desert place where as far as they're concerned in verse 33, rest is not possible. Why did we even do this? Why did we get in the boat with Jesus? Why did we get over to this desert place? This is just like it was on the other side. You know why they did it? Because Jesus told them to. In our life, why do we do what we do? Why do we go through periods where we feel like, man, I'm just, I'm doing this. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels at times. But why do we do that? Because Jesus told us to. In this world, you shall have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Why do we serve? Why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Because Jesus told us to. We're doing what we're commanded to do. Jesus saw him as sheep. The disciples saw him as a problem. Jesus saw potential. Matthew 15, verse 24, he called him the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When it says he was stirred with compassion, moved with compassion, the word for compassion in the Greek means to be stirred in the bowels. Stirred in the bowels. You ever had a feeling in the pit of your stomach? When you're hungry? When something happens, it's like, oh. That's what happened with Jesus. But not in a bad way, in a good way. He was moved with compassion, ready to serve them. He didn't see them as goats, ready to butt up against him and cause problems. He saw them as sheep that needed a shepherd. And if you've ever encountered Jesus, you know exactly how he sees people because you're one of those people. If you've never encountered Jesus, you don't understand when it says compassion. You have to encounter him to understand what true compassion is. He saw them as some people who needed help. And how were they going to get help? They were going to get him. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 31 says, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, there are serious periods where it's hard and difficult, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Let me ask you this morning, have you experienced his compassion in your life? Have you experienced that love, that tenderness, that stirring that he provides? They caused a problem. The people created a problem. But then number two, we see the Savior proposed a solution. Verse 37 and 38. The day comes to an end. Day that was supposed to be filled with rest. 
filled with that refreshing time, and it ended with work. That was their perspective. The disciples had one option. Send them away, verse 30, uh, 37. Remember, they said, send them away. Now what happens? Verse number, if you go back to number 35, and when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a, here it is again, a desert place. Three times. Desert place. Let's go aside. Rest a while. Desert place. They show up. Desert place. Now they say, we're at a desert place. Send the people away. There's no McDonald's. There's no buffet. There's no KFC. Not even a Taco Bell. I mean, come on. This is desperate. If you go to Taco Bell, you're desperate. But the disciple, and I love Taco Bell. I'm talking about a stirring of the bowels a minute ago there. There you go. Fits right there. The disciples had one option. You won't remember the rubber band. You'll remember the Taco Bell <laughs> reference. The disciples had one option. Send them away. They're hungry. We're hungry. We're tired. They need to leave. And Jesus shocks them with a response. Verse 37. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Now, think about this. Where had they been before this day started? Where were they before this day began. They were out ministering in Jesus' power. Think about it. Healing people, doing miracles, all these things that only Jesus could do. And the disciples were doing them. This is a test. It's a test. They could have said, well, hey guys, we, we were just doing miracles. Why don't we why don't we ask Jesus if we can do one now? Hey, Jesus, we weren't with you before. We're with you now. Why don't you do something? It was a test. Hey, when you're tired, be looking for the test. When you're tired, in those seasons of struggle, in those seasons of burden, look for the test. Because it's there. You see these disciples? They're in the presence of God with a test. You know what? They knew the answer. You know who the answer was? Jesus. They knew the answer. What did they do? Fail. They failed. Why? How do we know that? Verse 37, they say unto him, Shall we go and buy? Hey, how are we going to feed all these people? We can't afford this, Jesus. You just sent us out and told us not to take our fanny pack, and you told us not to take a stick, and you told us not to take our extra cloak, and all these different things. How are we going to feed all these people? Fail. Fail. Verse 38, he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. Go and see. Go see if anybody has any food. This is the same miracle, little boy, the little lad, five loaves, two fishes. Same miracle. Different passage, but same miracle. So what do they do? Master, we can't do it. They fail. They fail. You know, sometimes Jesus asks us a question when we can't see the answer because he wants us to see the answer with eyes of faith instead of sight. Sometimes he wants us to see the answer with eyes of faith and not of sight. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He knew what they would do. 
Because he was the answer. And for whatever situation you're facing today, let me just remind you, he's still the answer. He is the answer. Remember what was said about the woman with the issue of blood? One chapter before, Mark 5, verse 26. She suffered many things at the hand of the physician, spent all she had, nothing bettered, rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she spent everything she had on all of these self-help things. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Void of Jesus. I'm going to do all these things. And what does the Bible say? She wasn't any better. But when she encountered Jesus, not only did it get better physically, everything changed spiritually. But she had to go to Jesus. Hey, in your life today, stop trying to do it all on you. Maybe you just need to go to Jesus. Maybe you need to encounter him. Have you come to Jesus with eyes of faith? Well, he can't do anything. You're right. Because if that is your mentality, he won't. You have to come with eyes of faith. We see that Jesus proposed a solution. The people created the problem in their mind. But then third thing, the disciples followed the directions. I'm glad, as dumb as these guys were at times, they followed directions. Verse 39, and he, Jesus, commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Now, think about this. Where are they again? They're in a desert place. When's the last time you saw green grass in a desert place? You know what that tells me? He created the environment. Don't miss this. Jesus led them. Hey, we're going to go get rest. Follow me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. I may, there may be periods of time when I don't get rest. It may be hard. It may be difficult. There may be seasons of struggle and difficulty. But Jesus, I'm following you. We're going to go over here to a desert place where there is green grass. That tells me that he prepared the place they were going before they got there. Pastor, what does that have to do with us? Wherever you're heading, where Jesus is leading you, he's already been there. He's already been there. I love what it says in Psalm 147. He makes grass to grow upon the mountains. He makes grass to grow on the mountains. You, you think about these places with high altitudes and high mountains. You see snow. You don't see a lot of grass. But he's put grass there. How do we know that? He's been there. He's been there. So wherever he's leading you, this green grass, he's already been there. And he creates the environment. He sat them down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. You know, he said... Do this, and they followed. I wonder how often we can say that. Do we follow directions? John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Luke 14, 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot bear my disciple. And you might be here and say, Pastor, I'm following him. I'm carrying my cross. I'm doing all the right things. Why am I here? Because Jesus is here. 
because he leads us places. And sometimes those places we don't want to be. And when we don't know what's going on in our life, what's going on, we know that we can trust the one who's leading us there. You remember in the days before GPS? Some of you teenagers don't know what this is. This is Apple Maps. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You went on vacation. If you're in my generation or older, you know we don't go anywhere. Honey, where's the atlas? Where's the map? We're going three states over. All right. And then they had this cool book called Next Exit. Anybody know what that is? Next Exit. It told you where all the stuff was along the way. Man, our atlas, this is my mom and dad's copy. And we always had like the states where we were going turned down. And my mom would actually write in that map. Let's see if I can get to Georgia. Uh, there's Florida. Uh, my mom would write down. This has highlighted spots in it. This is definitely my parents' map. My mom and dad would write over here, good gas price. Exit 68. <laughs> Whole lot longer before Gas Buddy, the app, you know. But they would write down all their notes over here. Clean bathrooms. <laughs> I'm not kidding. All right? Clean bathrooms. Cheap gas. Right here. I-95, exit 102, Walmart. <laughs> right off exit. That's convenient. And Tanger Outlets. Woo! All right? But think about it. We didn't go anywhere without some kind of directions. We had a map. You know what we didn't do? We did not plan a trip to Florida where my grandparents lived. We did not plan a trip to Florida and end up in New York. You know why? Because we followed the directions. We knew exactly, hey, all right, we're, we've got to go. Here's Georgia. All right, one page before that, there's Florida. We're going to be in Florida soon. Here's the Florida map. And then as kids, there it is, I-95, 363A, Walmart. <laughs> right there. All right, as we're going down, as we're going down, my mom and dad can tell you where every Walmart is. Every one. Yeah, and dad's standing by there. Now, tell you every single one. And they stop at all of them. This one might have something different, even though it's a national chain. It might have something different, or bathroom, or whatever. Uh, but we would track this, man, and we, we would follow directions. We did not end up somewhere opposite of where we were following directions. And in our life, I think sometimes we say, I want to be here, Jesus, but I want to go this way. I want to take the easy route, Jesus. I want to have money in the bank all the time. And my kids are always going to behave. And we're always going to be healthy. And I'm always going to drive the newest car. And I'm going to have the nicest house in the neighborhood. And I'm going to be debt free. And I'm never going to have any problems. And it's always going to be perfect. And everything's always going to be clean. You know what that sounds like? Disney World. But last time I checked, 
You can't stay in Disney World overnight. Not that any of us can afford it. You know why? Because that place is make-believe. Following Jesus sometimes requires faith. Let me quantify that. It always requires faith. And he says, hey, you don't need the map as long as you have me. Who are they with, by the way? They came back to him. They came and got in the boat with him. Who led them to the desert place that had green grass? Him. They were with him. And you will not meet a follower of Jesus who doesn't follow the road map. And I'm not talking about this road map. I'm talking about this road map. We need his information, his coordinates. And then lastly this morning we see the end result. Hey, they expected a break. They needed it in their mind. Number two, they had to bear that burden. Remember that? They had to bear that burden, but what happens? In result, they earned a blessing. Earned a blessing. Look at verse 41. He sits them down. The disciples obey Jesus. They sit everybody down. He knew they were tired, knew they were hungry, but with all of that, he allows them, get this, he allows them a front row seat for the biggest miracle of their lives up to this point. This was the largest miracle that they had seen to date. Don't miss this. Here is the most important part of the message. They were getting to get the rest they needed by being used in His work. They were getting ready to get the rest they needed by being used in His work. Desert place, desert place, desert place. Why? Why why go there? Because Jesus brought them to a place where he could be the only answer that they needed. He brought them to a place where they had to totally and completely depend on him. You know what it gave them? Rest. Did Jesus say, Go to the bank when you're weary and heavy laden. Go to the doctor when you're weary and heavy laden. He said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. They were with him, right person. They were in the desert place, right place that he had prepared. Everything was perfect. There was something rewarding ahead. We see Jesus focus, verse 41. He looks up to heaven, blesses what he's got, breaks the loaves. When we serve, where's our focus? Because Jesus' focus was above. Remember Mary and Martha, the syndrome, Luke chapter 10, verse 40 through 42. How that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was mad that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, complains to Jesus, and Jesus says, stop talking. Martha, Martha. She's in the lobby. Martha, Martha. What did Jesus say? One thing is needful. Hey, serving is important, church, but it's not most needful. Never underestimate 
If you don't write down anything else, you write this down. Never underestimate the value of sitting at Jesus' feet. Never underestimate the value. Well, Pastor, I, I haven't read my Bible in two weeks, but I'm ready to teach my class. I'd rather you didn't. Never underestimate the value of sitting at Jesus' feet. And that's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. Hey, one thing is needful. And Mary's chosen the best part. And that will not be taken away from her. Never underestimate the value. Why? If you're serving without sitting, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to those you're called to serve. Jesus maintained focus. Are you focused? We see their filling in verse number 42. It says in verse number 42, And they did all eat, not just the people. Remember those guys who were tired and hungry and needed rest? They got to eat too. Jesus included them. This was a rowdy group of disciples that was getting used. Hey, don't ever convince yourself that God can't use you. Well, pastor, you don't know my past or my, my health situation. You know, all these reasons why Jesus didn't, wouldn't want me. Hey, Jesus has already proved how much you're worth. Because he died for you. If he was willing to die for you, then he's willing to live through you. If he was willing to die for you, he's willing to live through you. We see lastly that they were the fragments. Look at verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. We don't know who ended up with the leftovers. I kind of like to think there's 12 baskets, there's 12 men, then they all got to take leftovers home. We don't know. But here's the point. Jesus used them, refreshed them, and gave them more for later. Pastor, if I come to Jesus, man, I'm going to be just as tired just as exhausted, just as clueless as I was before. You don't know that. You're making an assumption. You don't know that. All right, well, I'm going to try Jesus. It doesn't work that way. you got to be in. All in. You might need rest today. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need that rest. I, I, I I got to have something. I'm not making it to next Sunday without rest. Are you trying, Jesus? Or are you coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I have to have you. You're the only option. That's where we need to live. He's the only option. Or maybe you're running around in circles, doing all these things for Jesus, but you're not taking time to sit at his feet. That's a problem. Is your focus on him? Do you see that he wants to use you? Because you and I both can be used. Are you even in his family? Do you know how much he loves you today? Maybe you're here and you need rest. Maybe you're here and you need reconciliation. Maybe you're here and you need a relationship with Jesus. But if you are any of those, and I would venture to guess that all of us are in one of those situations, Jesus is the answer. For whatever you need today, Jesus is the answer. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let me ask you just two questions real quickly as our team is coming to prepare for a song that we'll sing before we dismiss this morning. This is our time of reflection where we simply respond to what God has spoken to us about.
how he's spoken in his word to us. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have a time in your life where you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe that's your need today. Hey, I'd like to pray for you. A relationship with Jesus is only brought about by one way, and that's by coming to Jesus. It's by placing your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You have to understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That there's a problem that you can't answer on your own. You have to realize, number two, that Jesus died on the cross to be the answer that you need. And by simply asking Him to save you and trusting Him to do what His Word says He will do, you will receive what you need. It is really that simple. It's knowing you have a need, believing that Jesus is the answer, and asking Him to meet your need. That's what salvation is. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've never done that. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's like. I, maybe you have doubts like I did. I, when I was a teenager, I had doubts. I didn't fully understand what salvation was. Maybe that's you. Can I be your friend this morning and pray for you? I don't want to embarrass you or call you out, send somebody to talk to you. But I would like to know who I'm praying for this morning. Maybe that's you and you say, Pastor, I just have questions. I I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm in his family or not. I'm just not sure. I'd like to pray for you. How I know who to pray for is by, well, no one looking around, you would simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Is that you? I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Would you simply slip up your hand this morning and say, Pastor, that's me. You can put it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. That's me. That's me. I want to pray for you this morning. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer. I'm not sure. That's where I am. Just being honest between you and the Lord, I know where I am. I'm just unsure. Is that you? I'm looking. I don't want to miss you. I'm looking one more time. I don't want to miss you. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, hey, I'm not going to raise my hand, but I'm struggling. Whether it's rest, whether it's that relationship, maybe that relationship isn't what it needs to be with the Lord today. Maybe it's rest. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm just worn out. I need Him. If that's where you are, you are in the right place. Because He is ready to give you the help that you need today. But that doesn't happen by accident. That takes a recognition. And then it takes a response from your heart that you are asking Him to be involved. Would you simply right now talk to the Lord about whatever your need is? If it's something that we can help you with, maybe it's something that we can pray with you about, there's a response card there in front of you and it says, I've taken a next step. If you want to fill that out and you want somebody to contact you later and just, hey, help, we want to pray with you. We want to help you take that next step, whatever that looks like. You can fill that card out. You can leave it right in your seat. Somebody will pick it up and we'll reach out and contact you. But don't leave here this morning the same way that you came in. Leave with some help. Leave knowing that you've got somebody who loves you and who is for you. That's what makes him a wonderful, merciful Savior, by the way. And he's here for you. And you are here for him to speak to you. Would you simply talk to the Lord this morning? Our personal workers are around the room, standing, some in the back, some up front. And if you need somebody to pray with you today, they're here for you. 
I'd be happy and honored to help you with whatever you need today. Talk to the Lord this morning about your need. If you need to take a next step, get baptized, join the church, be discipled, serve, we can help you with that too. But do what God wants you to do this morning, what He's speaking to you about. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how you point out day by day the challenge that we need to draw close to you, to follow you, to be faithful to you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, please bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, if there's someone in the room that doesn't know you as our personal Savior, help them to see that you are the answer. And help them to call out to you this morning for salvation. Don't delay, but help them to act on it today. There's someone here today who's in need of rest. They need a recharge. Lord, help them to find that in you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please. We're going to sing that song we sang just a moment ago, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. If you need to come and pray.